Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
Survey all the good things come to me from above. If I count all the blessings from the storehouse of love, I'd simply ask for the favor of Him beyond mortal king, and I'm sure that He'd grant it. Again, I want to stroll over heaven with you some glad day when all our troubles and heartaches are vanished away. Then we'll enjoy the beauty where all things are new. I want. Stroll over heaven with you. So many places of beauty. We long to see here below, but time and treasures have kept us from making plans, as you know. But come the morning of the rapture, together we'll stand anew, and I'll stroll over heaven with you. I want to stroll over heaven with you some glad day when all our troubles and heartaches are vanished away. Then we'll enjoy the beauty where all things are new. I want to stroll over heaven. I want to stroll over heaven with you.
face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
God, you knit us together in our mother's womb. We are intricately woven and made. And you knew us before we were even born. So we lift our voices to
As he prayed he did not hide With his windows open wide He was cast into a den of hungry lions But he lived to greet the king For his God protected him He was there God placed him there Maybe you are here For such a time as this Like Esther Like Daniel Serving God courageously Standing for the right Even if you have to stand alone Maybe God has placed you here For such a time as this Though you are fearful Hold tight to Jesus He will be your friends to listen to this program each week.
Descending from the sky, so brilliant with the light of God, the city is His bride. There is no temple in this town, no sun, no moon, no lamp, for God's own glory. Illuminated by the Lamb, and God Himself will wipe the tear from every weeping eye. No death, no pain, no morning cry, and every tear may dry. And now. Run. 
trustworthy and so true and God himself will wipe the tear from every weeping eye no death no pain no morning cry and every tear may dry and now our God will dwell with them the new Jerusalem and he himself will walk with them the new Since Jesus filled my life with wondrous 
My worries and cares are replaced with deep trust in His will. For with Jesus I don't fret, cause He knows the very best. It is faith that makes me see my Savior who died at Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Teaching in Parables. In these lessons from nature, there is a simplicity and purity that makes them of the highest value. All need the teaching to be derived from this source. In itself, the beauty of nature leads the soul away from sin and worldly attractions and toward purity, peace, and God. Too often, the minds of students are occupied with men's theories and speculations, falsely called science and philosophy. They need to be brought into close contact with nature. Let them learn that creation and Christianity have one God. Let them be taught to see the harmony of the natural with the spiritual. Let everything which their eyes see or their hands handle be made a lesson in character building. Thus, the mental powers will be strengthened, the character developed, and the whole life ennobled. Christ's purpose in parable teaching was in direct line with the purpose of the Sabbath. God gave to men the memorial of his creative power that they might discern him in the works of his hand. The Sabbath bids us behold in his created works the glory of the Creator. And it was because he desired to do this that Jesus bound up his precious lessons with the beauty of natural things. On the holy rest day, 
above all other days, we should study the messages that God has written for us in nature. We should study the Saviour's parables where he spoke them, in the fields and groves, under the open sky, among the grass and flowers. As we come close to the heart of nature, Christ makes his presence real to us and speaks to our hearts of his peace and love. And Christ has linked his teaching not only with the day of rest, but with the week of toil. He has wisdom for him who drives the plough and sows the seed. In the ploughing and sowing, the tilling and reaping, he teaches us to see an illustration of his work of grace in the heart. So in every line of useful labour and every association of life, he desires us to find a lesson of divine truth. Then our daily toil will no longer absorb our attention and lead us to forget God. It will continually remind us of our Creator and Redeemer. The thought of God will run like a thread of gold through all our homely cares and occupations. For us, the glory of His face will again rest upon the face of nature. We shall ever be learning new lessons of heavenly truth and growing into the image of His purity. Thus shall we be taught of the Lord, and in the lot wherein we are called, we shall abide with God. Isaiah 54, 13 and 1 Corinthians 7, 24. The sower went forth to sow. This is based on Matthew 13, 1 to 9, 18 to 23, Mark 4, 1 to 20, and Luke 8, 4 to 15. The Sower and the Seed By the parable of the sower, Christ illustrates the things of the kingdom of heaven and the work of the great husbandman for his people. Like a sower in the field, he came to scatter the heavenly grain of truth, and his parable teaching itself was the seed with which the most precious truths of his grace were sown. Because of its simplicity, the parable of the sower has not been valued as it should be. From the natural seed cast into the soil, Christ desires to lead our minds to the gospel seed, the sowing of which results in bringing man back to his loyalty to God. He who gave the parable of the tiny seed is the sovereign of heaven, and the same laws that govern earthly seed sowing govern the sowing of the seeds of truth. By the Sea of Galilee, a company had gathered to see and hear Jesus, an eager, expectant throng. The sick were there lying on their mats, waiting to present their cases before him. It was Christ's God-given right to heal the woes of a sinful race, and he now rebuked disease and diffused around him life and health and peace. As the crowd continued to increase, the people pressed close about Christ until there was no room to receive them. Then speaking a word to the men in their fishing boats, he stepped into the boat that was waiting to take him across the lake. And bidding his disciples push off a little from the land, he spoke to the multitude upon the shore. Beside the sea lay the beautiful plain of Gennesaret, beyond rose the hills, and upon hillside and plain both sowers and reapers were busy, the one casting seed and the other harvesting the early grain. Looking upon the scene, Christ said, Behold! The sower went forth to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit 
some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Christ's mission was not understood by the people of his time. The manner of his coming was not in accordance with their expectations. The Lord Jesus was the foundation of the whole Jewish economy. Its imposing services were of divine appointment. They were designed to teach the people that at the time appointed, one would come to whom those ceremonies pointed. But the Jews had exalted the forms and ceremonies and had lost sight of their object. The traditions, maxims and enactments of men hid from them the lessons which God intended to convey. These maxims and traditions became an obstacle to their understanding and practice of true religion. And when the reality came in the person of Christ, they did not recognize in him the fulfillment of all their types, the substance of all their shadows. They rejected the antitype and clung to their types and useless ceremonies. The Son of God had come, but they continued to ask for a sign. The message, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they answered by demands for a miracle. Matthew 3, verse 2. The gospel of Christ was a stumbling block to them because they demanded signs instead of a saviour. They expected the Messiah to prove his claims by mighty deeds of conquest, to establish his empire on the ruins of earthly kingdoms. This expectation Christ answered by the parable of the sower. Not by force of arms, not by violent interpositions was the kingdom of God to prevail, but by the implanting of a new principle into the hearts of men. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man, Matthew 13, 37. Christ had come not as a king, but as a sower. Not for the overthrow of kingdoms, but for the scattering of seed. Not to point his followers to earthly triumphs and national greatness, but to a harvest to be gathered after patient toil and through losses and disappointments. The Pharisees perceived the meaning of Christ's parable, but to them it lessened was unwelcome. They affected not to understand it. To the multitude it involved in still greater mystery the purpose of the new teacher, whose words had so strangely moved their hearts and so bitterly disappointed their ambitions. The disciples themselves had not understood the parable, but their interest was awakened. They came to Jesus privately and asked for an explanation. This was the desire which Christ wished to arouse, that he might give them more definite instruction. He explained the parable to them, as he will make plain his word to all who seek him in sincerity of heart. Those who study the word of God with hearts open to the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit will not remain in darkness as to the meaning of the word. If any man willeth to do his will, Christ said, he shall know of the teaching, whether it be of God, or whether I speak from myself, John 7, 17. All who come to Christ for a clearer knowledge of the truth will receive it. He will unfold to them the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, and these mysteries will be understood by the heart that longs to know the truth. A heavenly light will shine into the soul temple and will be revealed to others as the bright shining of a lamp on a dark path. The sower went forth to sow. In the east, the state of affairs was so unsettled and there was so great danger from violence that the people dwelt chiefly in walled towns and the husbandmen went forth daily to their labour outside the walls. So Christ, the heavenly sower, went forth to sow. 
He left his home of security and peace, left the glory that he had with the Father before the world was, left his position upon the throne of the universe. He went forth, a suffering, tempted man, went forth in solitude to sow in tears, to water with his blood the seed of life for a world lost. His servants in like manner must go forth to sow. When called to become a sower of the seed of truth, Abraham was bidden, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Genesis 12.1 And he went out not knowing whither he went. Hebrews 11.8 And so the apostle Paul, praying in the temple at Jerusalem, came the message from God, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Acts 22.21 So those who are called to unite with Christ must leave all in order to follow him. Old associations must be broken up, plans of life relinquished, earthly hopes surrendered. In toil and tears, in solitude and through sacrifice must the seed be sown. The sower soweth the word. Christ came to sow the world with truth. Ever since the fall of man, Satan has been sowing the seeds of error. It was by a lie that he first gained control over men, and thus he still works to overthrow God's kingdom in the earth and to bring men under his power. A sower from a higher world, Christ came to sow the seeds of truth. He who had stood in the councils of God, who had dwelt in the innermost sanctuary of the eternal, could bring to men the pure principles of truth. Ever since the fall of man, Christ had been the revealer of truth to the world. By him, the incorruptible seed, the word of God which liveth and abideth forever, is communicated to men. 1 Peter 1.23 In that first promise spoken to our fallen race in Eden, Christ was sowing the gospel seed. But it is to his personal ministry among men and to the work which he thus established that the parable of the sower especially applies. The word of God is the seed. Every seed has in itself a germinating principle. In it the life of the plant is enfolded. So there is life in God's word. Christ says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. John 6.63 He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. John 5.24 In every command and in every promise of the word of God is the power, the very life of God, by which the command may be fulfilled, and the promise revealed. He who by faith receives the word is receiving the very life and character of God. Every seed brings forth fruit after its kind. Sow the seed under right conditions, and it will develop its own life in the plant. Receive into the soul by faith the incorruptible seed of the word, and it will bring forth a character and a life after the similitude of the character and the life of God. The teachers of Israel were not sowing the seed of the Word of God. Christ's work as a teacher of truth was in marked contrast to that of the rabbis of his time. They dwelt upon traditions, upon human theories and speculations. Often that which man had taught and written about the Word, they put in place of the Word itself. Their teaching had no power to quicken the soul. The subject of Christ's teaching and preaching was the Word of God. He met questioners with a plain, It is written, What saith the Scriptures? 
how readest thou? At every opportunity when an interest was awakened by either friend or foe, he sowed the word of God. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. Enjoy the short presentation of how God led his people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. Several weeks after the great disappointment, Ellen was in the home of Mrs. Haynes, when as all the young women knelt to pray, God gave Ellen Harmon a vision. He showed her the travels of the people of God to the city of God and assured her that the light given before October the 22nd was genuine. No explanation for the great disappointment was given, but the assurance on its own was a huge encouragement. A week later, God gave Ellen another vision with the added injunction to tell the world what I have told you. Ellen was a timid, frail and sickly young 17-year-old, and she wondered if she could possibly do what God was asking her. The angel assured her that God would be with her, that he would be her guide and her strength. Ellen was willing, but she wondered if the Advent believers would accept a message from someone so young and in such poor physical condition. That night, there was a meeting at her house of the believers, but feeling nervous and frightened, she actually ran away from home and went to a friend's house three or four miles away. There she met a man named Joseph Turner who encouraged her and told her that he was interested in hearing what she had to say. She fled to an upstairs room and was there troubled by a sense of duty and commitment mixed with fear. Had God forsaken her? At last she surrendered and promised that she would share once she got home, but when she got home, the believers had left and the meeting was over. At the next meeting, she gave an account of her vision in detail, and instead of being met with derision and scorn, she found the believers happy to listen and learn the reasons for their disappointment. Afterwards, still feeling fearful, she had a visit from her angel who said, deliver the message faithfully, endure to the end, and ye shall eat the fruit of the tree of life and drink the water of life. committed herself to using the gift that God had bestowed upon her. This gift was given to guide this small and fledgling group through some hard times ahead. There was no organized church, no recognized pastors, no healthcare or education system, no official publications, just scattered groups of believers trying to make sense out of the great disappointment experience and be faithful to their understanding of God's word.
The gift of prophecy would be pivotal in helping this small group to pull through. It would help to confirm what they had studied in God's Word and let them know when they were on the right track. It would be a beacon of light, providing guidance and direction, and is one of the means that God has used to lead His people. In Old and New Testament times, the gift of prophecy has been used. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20, it says, Believe on the Lord your God and be established. Believe His prophets and you shall prosper. God has given us a great gift today. Let us remember to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. To view more episodes in this series, visit lineagejourney.com.